Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Society 13 Podcast Network. Redefining podcasts. Society-13.com. I like to listen. Welcome to Channel 9 of the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Before you listen to this podcast, be aware this show often uses very naughty language. If you don't like that, you shouldn't listen. Send your complaints to I am a whiny baby with no sense of humour at nightstory.com or stop by the studio. I'll take you for a ride to a story of my choosing. It is hard to find because it is a lost place. And all who dwell here are lost. Do you see us? Then you too are lost. Don't be afraid, for I am here to guide you. I will help you find your way. Now, come with me to the ninth story. Well, it's it's nice to it's nice to actually have a chance to talk to you. Oh, so likewise, likewise, man. You know, last last time we tried to do this, uh, we were in studio and and we had an equipment gremlin. There were gremlins aplenty, I, as I recall. <laughs> That's correct. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'll have to take your word for it. Um, but it seemed as though something was amiss, uh, even during the uh, even during the recording of that particular session. Remember, you, every time you uh, you tried to do some stuff with the uh, the keyboard, you were trying to. Uh, do a live soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and I recall that was, that was giving us fits. So clearly, clearly there was something, something afoot. Somebody didn't want us to, uh, somebody didn't want that to be heard. But, but this time I know we're recording. I can actually see the little red lights. I can see the bars moving. So I know there's sound coming through the system. Yeah, but you're a professional. Didn't you notice that last time? <laughs> <laughs> Did you? There was some, were, uh, were you, I mean, what was going on? There was some alcohol involved last time, if you recall. Yeah, but, you, but unless you were pretty well on your way when I got there, because uh, when 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 dur- during the I recall during the recording of the uh, the last episode, um, you you poured yourself a, a tankard of a home brew of a Foydic home brew, and you That's poured right. me one, and uh, that that was it. Um, unless you drank all of them before I got there and you only had I'm two a, left. I'm apparently a lightweight. It doesn't take much to knock me off my log. I know that's not true. I've seen you drink a lot in the course of an evening. Uh, and I'm, no, I'm no Dr. Towers. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair point. Fair point. Who among us is? That's right. Not all of us can, can you know hold our liquor that way. I think he has an empty leg that it just goes into. That's right. He's like uh, Marion Cravenwood in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> That's right. Very nice. John Very nice. John, John can, can drink Marion and Belloc under the table <laughs> any any day of the week. I'm, I'm more like Belloc. <laughs> so, whether much. a fly crawls into his mouth or not. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's delightful. And give him give him the dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a dysentery. That's right. I'm combining films at this point. I can tell. I can tell. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, yeah. since since we're talking about endings today and 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 moving on and, and the end of an era, we we should get the elephant out of the living room right away. Carrie Fisher. Holy shit. Yeah, I, now, Dan, she put on a little bit of weight, but I wouldn't refer to her as an elephant. 
That's <laughs> not, not where we're going with this. We're I going. Mean, with, she, we're, she, she, I, Garrett, 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 granted, she, she isn't wasn't exactly the healthiest the person. Girl. She's not going to be in the slave girl costume, uh, circa 1983. No. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, good Lord, show her some respect. Yeah. <laughs> I kid. I, um, I, you no, kid because you love. You love because you kid. Yeah, that's, that's um, you know, that's that's terrible news. I mean, it, it's um, as, when as I two Star Wars fanboys, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, absolutely. When did when did that news break? Was it was it like last Friday that we first heard about her suffering the heart attack? I think on, so. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what? I because I, I, I thought I, I read that that um, it would have been like it was right. It was before Christmas, um, and I, I saw some blurb about Carrie Fisher suffers cardiac episode on flight from London to Los Angeles. Uh, and then I didn't. Then I didn't hear anything about it. Um, and then yesterday, it was uh, it was actually my daughter who broke the news to me that the uh, hey dad, that woman who played Princess Leia died. And I was like, oh my god, I I had forgotten all about uh, the episode that she had last week. You know, because generally when you have a cardiac episode and you don't die immediately, you you assume they're gonna they're gonna pull through. But uh, anyway, yeah, it was, it's ter- it was terrible, terrible news. Um. But, you know, immediately, selfishly, I started Googling as to, was Carrie Fisher's filming done on Star Wars 8? <laughs> <laughs> because I assume, you know. I, I did the same thing. Back, you know what I mean? Like, I assume if she's flying back from London, she's filming, she's coming back to the States on, you know, for a holiday. She's coming back here to spend Christmas um, with somebody. Uh, but so, uh, selfishly, I was like, oh, my God, I hope she was done filming. But... You know, then on the other hand, I'm like, you know, after seeing what they're doing with CGI these days, her, them CGI and her acting might be the best thing for her at this point. Uh, that's terrible. Again, that's terrible. Hey, so. you know, no disrespect for, for Carrie Fisher, but, you know, at, at the time that the movie came out, I think we all as a group said, yeah, you know. It's it's a little rough the acting there. Um, she's been out of it for a little while, I guess. Yeah, I, I can't I can't remember if you and I had talked about this before, uh, but I, I saw a thing with J.J. Uh, Abrams talking about that when they when they made The Force Awakens how how bad she was because um, she had not acted in a long time yeah. and she was very nervous going into it. And um, um, man, I, you know, she's I, I've never viewed. Carrie Fisher as a master thespian. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, she was pretty, she made uh, Hayden Christensen look uh, like uh, Lawrence Olivier, uh, you know. Uh, no, that's not, that's not fair. Uh, that's, not, that's not fair to anybody. No. Uh, his, his, act, his acting is so wooden. Um, that, uh, How wooden uh, is it, Johnny? <laughs> it's so wooden. <laughs> You know, speaking of the Hayden Christensen, you know, you know um, around Thanksgiving, uh, the the TNT they were showing all the Star Wars films uh, uh-huh. again. Um, you know, like in the in this constant loop. Um, I think in the run up to Rogue One being released, um, and I find myself again, as I as I always do, uh, as much as I despise certain elements of um, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Not, not so much. Uh, Phantom Menace, I just don't think it's a very good movie, but I can't hold that against Hayden Christensen because uh, he's not in it, but that shouldn't hold me back. I should still blame him for something. Um, <laughs> I mean, his his acting in Attack of the Clones is so god-awful that you almost can't... It, it's, it's, it's seriously, it's like watching... I, I don't want to say a John Waters movie because, you know, or an Ed, it's almost like watching an Ed Wood movie where the performances are so deliberately bad. Yeah, you know, I watch it and go, I wish someone would cut off your arms and legs and throw you in a fucking vat of lava or something. Something to get a response out of you. Right. It's like I, there, there, there was moments where you're watching that, um, you know, my kids would be in and out of the room and Janelle would, my wife would come in and out of the room. And I would just be like, oh, my God, it, he can't he can't get killed soon enough. You know, and this, <laughs> this, the, the, that, the, the one scene 
that's particularly painful in clones is when he is professing his love. Oh, yes. Uh, I think for, for the first, you know, where, where he's sitting there and it's just like, if, if you are in agony as much as I am, please tell me, <laughs> you know, and it's, it, it's so, it is just so painful to watch. Just utterly, utterly painful. Well, you know, uh, the, the former Stephen Hawking voice, the one that he used for so many years, actually was his touchstone for that scene. <laughs> he was directing the movie out now a movie directed by Stephen Hawking attack of the clones. Oh, oh. Yeah. Just, I mean, just, just bad, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so I was sorry, switching gears back to, back to Carrie Fisher. Um, yeah. Surprise. I, I was surprised that she was only 60 years old. You know, it's you know always I mean? sad I, when you have to say that about somebody, isn't it? Are you yeah, only sixty? So. So. Uh, you didn't age too well. Well, that, that's a, that's part of it. That's part. But I mean, you know, in, in some respects, though, um, I'm, when George George Michael, who also just yeah. died, I was I was surprised he was only fifty three. Yeah. But I mean that in terms of, I I, I thought he would have just been a couple years older. You know what I mean? It, it just it seems like he's been around long enough to be a little bit older than fifty three. Not that you know. Yeah, I because he has this this huge body of work, and he's influenced so much. Yeah, 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 yes, yes. I mean, when you think about people who we lost this year, like you know, Glenn Fry was in his seventies, and wasn't Bowie seventy? Didn't yeah. he just turned? And he looked you know pretty I mean? like, decent for his age. I mean, he had a for all the things that he had going on with him, he didn't look bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I guess you know, going back to. Like, you know, I think of it in terms of, you know, everything being, you know, Mark Hamill, them saying Mark Hamill is now older or Mark Hamill in The Force Awakens was older when he filmed that than Alec Guinness was when he was in Star Wars. You know, and Alec Guinness just looks old yeah. or, you know, maybe maybe he looks old because when we first were introduced to Alec Guinness, we were so much younger. So we think he's an old man. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff. And, and I guess what it comes back to is. I, I guess I didn't realize how young Carrie Fisher uh, and Mark Hamill, I get how young they both were yeah. uh, when Star Wars was made. But then, you know, so that's 40 years ago. Right. Uh, so anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that. It's just that, you know, when, when you see Carrie Fisher 60, I'm like, wow, I thought, you know, and, and it's not like I thought she was like 85, I, but it's kind of yeah. like, I thought maybe she was 65 approaching 70. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but to see that she, cause 60, I think is young. Yeah, and, it is. And that's young. the whole thing. Like you said before, she's, she's been, it seems like she's been around for, or had been around for such an incredible amount of our lives. Yeah. Uh, you know, to find out that she was only 60, but anyway, but still, it, I mean, terrible, terrible. Yeah. Terrible. I think that this year for me has just been, it's changed the way that I've looked at things. I mean, like, it sounds a lot like, the statement that you made when you said, well, you know, Mark, Mark Hamill is now older than, than Alec Guinness was when Alec Guinness played Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's right. I'm get we're getting to that age now where a lot of the people that were, you know, influences on us as, as kids, as, as young men are now going and dying. And, you know, I mean, I guess the next phase is whenever it's our friends that are dying. Um, it's, it's, it oh, changes real, things. That's a real pick me up. Yeah, isn't it though? It's yeah. uh but you know, it's 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 very sad, but at the same time there's there's a strange sort of comfort to it, a comfort to the continuity of things that you know, I I look at the world and I look at life and I look at death differently than I did as a child, you know? I mean, you go through this phase where death isn't a thing at all. It, it doesn't make any sense. You don't understand that it. it's never going to affect you. Then you get to this age where you're starting to think about your own mortality. And I think you have to kind of pass that and come to terms of the fact that we're all here temporarily. And w what our job is, is to prepare someone to take what we've created and move on with it to, to pass the torch as it were. Well, that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's very insightful, very apropos for, uh, for, for, for this conversation. Um, yeah, and, 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 and really well said. I mean, we, we the, one of the last times that we officially did a show 
uh, with one another was January of this year, where we were kind of lamenting uh, the loss of, uh, of David Bowie and Glenn Fry at that point. Uh, that was that was January of this year, and then um, yeah, I mean, 2016 turned into a real a real humdinger of a year, just in terms of all of the the losses. Um, you know, people that we take to your point, people that we were inspired by. Um, and, and that touches you, but uh, yeah, to, to your point about uh, getting to that age in our lives where the people that you do know, uh, family members, friends, loved ones, etc., though they they start getting stripped away from you, and you the way you look at uh, the uh, the transient nature of all of us, uh, it does change. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's it's I'm starting to see. Wanting to pass something on, wanting to have some sort of legacy, wanting to take something that I've created or, or made and, and see somebody else take ideas from that and run with it, you know, it as opposed to, you know, whenever I was younger, it was like, I want to do all this. I can do all this. And now it's more like I can't do all this and, and I shouldn't do all this. It's time to reinvent things. It's time to let go of certain things and, and look at what's truly important to me right now and where I was and where I am and where things are going. And I think that that's part of what we all do when we're trying to be storytellers or artists or creators is, you know, you eventually get to that point where, you know, it's, it's speaking of star Wars. I mean, like where Lucas got to the point, I'm sure that the billions of dollars had something to do with it, but you know, I mean, getting to <laughs> I'm the, sure that softens the blow, it yeah. does, <laughs> but you know, I mean, right. just for him to get to that point in his life where he's like, you know what? I, 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 I can't control this anymore. If it, if it dies with me, it dies with me. It's time to let somebody else take it so that it can become more than what I was. No. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's excellent. That's an excellent, um, Insight. I mean, you're right. I mean, we, you and I have talked about um, for years, you know, my fondness of Aaron Sorkin and his work. It's the approach that he took with, with the West Wing. You know, it was his show. He created it. He did the first four years, uh, won, the, won the Emmy all four years for best show, best writing, etc. But at the end of the fourth year, he's like, okay, I can't do anything with this anymore. But it's still a viable product. I'm turning it over to somebody else because I want to see what they can do with it. Um, and, you know, in, in a similar, it's not similar, but um, I remember reading something that uh, Cudlitz, Michael Cudlitz said after Abraham's character was killed off on Walking Dead, where he said that the Abraham Ford story had been told. You know, it's yeah. like there's that thing. It's like it's sad that something ends, but at the same time, you know, and that can go both ways. I mean, obviously, that, that's a little different where a character gets killed off and it disappoints people. But it's like, OK, it was a, it, it, he was only with us for a while and his story had been told. Yeah. Um, and there was, you know, that was it. And there's nothing you know, we can be sad about it. But, you know, that was a that was a compelling storytelling device. It was important. You know, his character arc, his death is important to driving the story forward not entirely similar to what you're saying there, but again, it's that, it's that whole process of evolution, particularly, you know, whether we're talking about the, you know, the show, um, or, you know, our, our own personal journeys, your, what the, all the projects that you're working on. Um, yeah, there's a certain amount of, yeah, it's like everything. It's a, you know, it's, there's, there's joy and sadness that comes out of, creating something. The fact that you created is great joy and it causes you uh, great exhilaration and great consternation and frustration and all that stuff while it's happening. Um, but there's a, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be a lot of joy that's taken out of the creation of it, but whether it's your own personal stories or your friggin' children, at some point you have to let go of everything. Yeah. Um, and there's, uh, there, there, there's definitely um, some joy and sadness in all of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that there's, you know, there's some people that I really admire that kind of followed that path where they knew when it was time to step out of the way. And I think that's the key is to to step out of the way before you become irrelevant. Um, because, I, you know, I often think about like my own reactions to the way that the world is changing and new ideas and new ways of telling story. And some of it I just don't get. And, 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 you know, it's stuff that other people love and adore and, and makes sense to, to younger people. And it's, I, I'm starting to realize that that's, we, that's why we have to die because it's like, I'm so set in certain ideas. It's like, I just need to get out of the way before I, I make no sense. And I make things harder for other people. Wow. That's, um, that's pretty deep. You know, occasionally I get there. 
It's not, it's not always. Yeah. It's so not, it's not often, so, but sometimes. So, so, no, no, no. So, so, so elaborate on that. So, what, uh, what is it that's uh, that's that's brought you to this to this point? You, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You're turning over the reins to uh, of, of nine story to other folks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in I mean, in general, if we're talking about life, I mean, it's not like I don't want to be on the planet anymore or anything like that. But you know, <laughs> there, God, there, God, I hope not. I, <laughs> yeah, I hope you're not going Kurt Cobain on us. So it's like, no. you know what? I I got to the top of this rock. I That's conquered right. it. That's it. There's nothing yeah, left for me. Nothing left. Yeah, you're not saying that. No, right. no, I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, in my own time, and I know, I understand now why people, you know, because when you're young, you're like, I want to live forever. And then I think as you get older, most people, you get to a point where you're okay with the fact that you're not going to be here forever. And I think a part of that for me is understanding that, you know, like just the way that the world is changing and things, ideas are coming up so quickly. And I, I think I think a lot of it for me is like terminology and like you know you're you're you have to use certain words in certain ways the whole political correctness thing I have a hard time with because I mean well but I know that I don't succeed all the time you know Sure well let me let me ask you this question so so our 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 old friend Neil Gaiman who is neither a friend of ours uh we like to refer to him in that way he I I, I had read something in one of his essays where he was talking, and he doesn't name who the authors are, but he said, you know, they, he's referring to two people, both of whom were successful, acclaimed authors, both of whom were friends of his. And he says, you know, they were relatively middle-aged, how, how he would describe middle-aged. And he said they both had completely different mindsets, one of them thinking, oh, my God, the best years are behind me, you know, everything everything that I was going, uh, my best creative years and yeah, all all of my inspiration is fleeting and looking back on it like, oh, my God, I'll never get that again. The other was at the point where he was looking forward to all of the great things that were going to come in front of him. So where are you at in that I think spectrum? It, are you, you know, you know what I mean? Like, because you're, you're kind of at this, I think, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're kind of like looking at your own, your own mortality physically and spiritually, for lack of a better word. Like, where are you on the creative spectrum right now? Are you excited about all the years in front of you and all of the projects that you've got? Or are you kind of in that malaise or it's like, oh my God, I, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't want to do the this medium right now, and I don't want to get caught up in this language game and blah blah blah. Where what's going on with Dan Poitick, the the artist, right now? Well, I think it's kind of both. It's it, it, I think where the where the problem occurs whenever you feel like you've lost and where you become despondent and despair about things being behind you is when you're trying to hold on to things that you shouldn't hold on to anymore. Um, I think that. As an artist and, and as a writer, you, you know, I, I try to grow. Um, I try to be better today than I was a year ago. I try to be um, I try to experiment with new things and try new things. I don't want to stay stagnant. And I think that if I look back on the things that I've done and I want to try to continue to do those things, some of them I'm not going to be able to do anymore. And some of them I shouldn't do anymore. I should move on. The most the most successful and, and the artists that I admire the most are the ones that were constantly reinventing themselves and constantly looking at new ways to explore and new ways to grow. I think when you try to hold on to the past, that's where you're going to be disappointed. But if you embrace the possibilities of the future, I mean, where I am now, I never would have imagined five years ago ever being at this point. And I'm sure it's going to be the same way in five years, hopefully, like it was this year, you know, a very good year. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's, am I making you speechless a, a lot tonight? Because you, you are, you are. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, cause yeah, cause right out of the gate, we're, uh, we're, we're, we, we, we dispatched with levity and we got right into, uh, <laughs> the, the, the downer topic of Carrie Fisher dying and whatnot. But no, I mean, that's, uh, to, to your point, it's germane to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to, to the topic here. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's good to hear. Uh, you know, I was just having a conversation with a friend of ours about you, uh, last week, uh, saying that that was one of the things that I thought was, you know, personally inspiring to me about you, uh, is that you have been so, um, I don't want to say stubborn, uh, about, 
being successful, because uh, that's not the right terminology. But you have certainly been dedicated to the craft of getting better. Uh, and I and I couldn't agree with you more that you, the artist that you are now is completely different than the artist that I knew five years ago or ten years ago. Um, so it's exciting, you know, for for. The, the stuff that you've done over the past couple of years is, is exciting uh, to a friend of yours, which of course I am. Uh, it's really, it's great to see that. And um, I, to use your word, I, I'm, it's, it's good to hear that you're not despondent about things. Uh, perhaps I was picking up on that the wrong way. It's, I, I, I would be hopeful to hear that you're excited about the future and that you're going to embrace the future the same way that you have embraced the past. Yeah. But, but to your point, being cognizant of the fact that, you, you know what, you got to let certain stuff go. Um, and, and that's absolutely, I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum before about our favorite uh, performers, writers, musicians, actors, whatever, are the ones who are constantly embracing new things uh, that, that are reinventing themselves and not, not just getting stuck in a rut and churning out the same old crap. There, I mean, definitely there's a time and a place for that because, we, yeah. you know, we could sit here and, 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 and talk about uh, performers, musicians, whatnot, that, that, that have churned out the same direct year after year after year and people gobble it up. But, uh, but the people who have longevity are the ones who uh, continue to, to, to push into new directions and not settle for stuff like that. Too. Yeah, I mean, I think it becomes but, at some uh, point you're honing things. You know, it's like you become more yourself as time goes on. And I used to kind of think that, you know, as you change, you become less the person that you were. But I think you become more the core of who you are. If you're if you pay attention, you know, I mean, we change a lot as as we move on. But I think that your essence kind of becomes more defined as you move on. I, I would agree with that as it relates to you. Um, and, and I think that's what probably one of the things that I admire uh, about you. And that was, again, part of the conversation that I was having last week, because you, you have kind of, you have honed in on your essence, so to speak. Um, as you know me, I mean, part my biggest problem has always been, uh, from day to day, I, you know, my interest in something is fleeting. You know, it's like today I want to do this, you know, today I want to focus on writing. Um, and, uh, to, I want to focus on writing uh, comedy, you know, and then the next day it's like, you know what, there's a billion people out there who are funnier than I am. So fuck that. I'm not doing comedy today. Today I want to write this stuff. Up. I want to write uh, horror slash not hor not necessarily horror, but, you know, ironic stories that are, you know, similar to Twilight Zone type stuff where on the last page, everybody's like, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And then the next day, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to write a screenplay. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to write a, you know, I don't want to write a screenplay. I want to write a play for the stage because I'm really, I want to focus on dialogue. And then it's like, do a, a 180, uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to do any of that. I want to focus on music. You know, and that's the thing. And I just, I jump around and jump around and jump around. Consequently, all that happens is years go by and I've just kind of dab, you know, I, I've put my foot in the water, but haven't committed to going for a swim. Whereas you have, you know, you've kind of picked that direction. Uh, and yes, you've gone in, you've done different projects, but you've tackled projects with a certain sense of vim and vigor that makes you hone your message. You know what I mean? And that's, it's, I hope you're saying that as an incredible compliment because that's how I mean it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because that, that, that's the thing. You, you actually, you, you have, for lack of a better word, you've had focus. Everything you've done over the past several years with, with, with Ninth Story, the stuff that you've done with The Lift, the stuff that you've done with The Wicked Library, it has given you, a, it's, it's like, you know, you, it's like, a couple of years ago, you did what you were supposed to do. You put the basement together. Now you've just started adding floor after floor after floor. You've got a great foundation uh, in your building. Me, I start building houses here, and then I go a couple of blocks down the road, and I start building another house. And I go a couple of blocks down the road, and I start building another house, and I never finish anything. So there's a lot to be said for that. And I think that's what truly, that's what separates the, the, the successful from the wannabes. And I certainly... Uh, put myself in one category and you into the other. So. Well, you know, the, the biggest thing that I've learned and, and I think that doing nice story has been kind of that journey for me. It's been me saying, I want to be a storyteller. I want to understand what makes it work, how it happens, 
how you do it and and how you get from here to there when you when you decide that you're you find something you're finding your voice and when you decide this is something i need to toss to the side or maybe this is a dalliance and i know it's a dalliance and it's something that i'm going to do even though it's not part of my path but because i find it interesting and fun you know so i mean like i dabble in in writing a little bit of music here and there for for you know the shows and it's something that it's fun for me and it takes me a lot longer than it does someone that's a trained musician and the end result probably isn't as any as good but it's it's fun um the the biggest thing for me i think is i just don't i not i don't want to say i don't care but i care more about how i am experiencing things than how others are um and maybe that's not the best way to say that but i'm not I'm not worried. I'm not worried to fail. I'm not worried to do something that other people aren't going to agree with or understand or um, think is fantastic, you know, because there is an audience out there for whatever I choose to do, um, whether it's big or small, <laughs> depends. Yeah, <right. laughs> but I mean, I don't know. I just, I try to pay attention to what feels right and what works for me and what doesn't um and i think that's the, that's the big the big thing if i had a message or if i was trying to mentor you know somebody that's trying to find their way and saying you know how to because that honestly is the biggest thing that i continue to struggle with is wanting to to do so many different things, to be pulled in so many different directions, because I have an idea for this story, but I have to record narration for this. And I want to write this, but I also want to look into this. I want to watch this. I want to listen to this. You know, I mean, it's, I'm always pulled in so many different directions and somehow I don't know how I've managed to kind of focus that and say, okay, it's almost like making a deal with yourself. It's like saying, okay, I will dabble with this if I get this done. And once I get this done, then I can play with this a little bit. Or once I do these two things, then I can move back over here and, and prioritize this. It's it's triage in a weird sort of way. No, no, that that's that's a that's a good way. That's a really good way of putting it. Um, you know, it, it's it's there. Maybe there's this may not be an analogy, um, but um, you know, because I always wonder, like, how do these people who are you know truly successful people, you know, that you that you, you people that you would know from name recognition perspectives that right. are, that are doing a whole lot of stuff. It's like, well, how do they get, how do they get all this stuff done? Well, interestingly, um, I was listening to, uh, uh Stern and Fred Armisen, uh, Seth Myers and Bill Hader were on there and they were talking about, you know, some of the stuff that they do and, you know, their past lives on Saturday Night Live stuff that they're doing right now. You know, how Fred Armisen is, you know, he's on Portlandia. He, he does, um, that documentary now that those, that those three guys do. He's the band director on, on, on Seth Myers when he wants to be known. So those guys are all spread out, but they kind of talk about the fact that they're able to do that stuff because once you do hit a certain level of success, you got a whole bunch of people that are so eager to work with you Mm -hmm. on your projects. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing because they were kind of joking about this, uh, the, the, the documentary now, and even talking back to their days on Saturday night live where they would write, you know, they would write things for themselves that were only funny to them, stuff that you and I talked about before, you know, mm-hmm. which was a lot of the stuff, the, the early shows on, on Ninth Story, where we knew, it was, we thought it was really, really funny to us and something yeah. that was really, really important to us, um, which is still the most fun thing in the world to do. And I would, like, like I've said before, I would do that forever, you know, because that's fun. Yeah. But at some point you do have to do the thing like, all right, we have to stop having just fun and it, there has to be focus or, you know, you, you make the decision about whether you're going to try to monetize it or whether you're going to actually try to make something of it. Um, but it, but, but the point is when you get to that point in your career um, and you're able to take a lot of the monotony away from it, like some, not that what you were just describing about, I got to do this voiceover and I got to do this, this and this, but a lot of what you do kind of takes away from the creative process. You know, you're, you, you know what I mean? Like you're, 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 you're not, you're still doing both right brain and left brain stuff where if you had a staff or you had, you know, people that are willing to take some of the nonsense stuff off your plate that allows for true production uh, to, to exist. Um, 
that's that's entire that's an entirely different dynamic in the creative process, and that was you know one of the one of those things that I I, I hope that one day uh, you know you get to that point where you you know you you do reap the uh, the rewards of that, like you put in all the the work where you're doing you know you're 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 chopping everything yourself, you're writing it all yourself, you're recording everything yourself. Man, if you if you ever got to that point where you had you know a couple of assistants that could focus on that stuff for you and really let you focus back on the stuff that's truly the fun part of things. You know, that, that, my God, that would be great, right? Well, it's, it's funny you say that because we, we do in the creation of the lift and the wicked library kind of have a team. I've met so many mm-hmm. amazingly talented, creative people through doing ninth story and then starting to do the wicked library. And, you know, then the lift came after that. We kind of had this joint mission and I'm still shocked. I mean, it's, it still stuns me that so many people saw the potential of what we wanted to do with the lift and the wicked library that people were just like, yeah, I'll write a story and yeah, I'll write music for that. And yeah, I'll draw some art for you. And it's, it's just like the things that I can't do alone, this, this group effort, this synergy that we've developed with, you know, some of these really talented people have made it possible to take these things to the next level. And, you know, we're, we're starting to get to that, to that tipping point, I think where, you know, we're we're starting to get actual consistent fan mail through Twitter and email and Facebook. And, you know, we get messages from people talking about how this particular story helped them overcome the loss of, of, of a parent. And, you know, just just these things that stun me. And I think I've always kind of suffered from this thing where sooner or later, someone's going to figure out what I'm doing. Isn't that fantastic? You know, the the whole imposter syndrome thing. And I still struggle with yeah. that, which I think is preferable to having a big head. Um, Absolutely. Well, that's what's going to that's going to continue to give you your drive. You know, it's that you're never going to get complacent because it's 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 in the end. It's the old Howard Stern thing about, you know, someday. I mean, the guy's achieved every you know, he's at the top of the media mountain and he still thinks that any day somebody's going to come in and say he's fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? He still he still thinks he's a friggin' you know DJ on a college radio station. That's yeah. I mean, I you know, I mean, we opened. And there's something to be said for that. You know, that's the that's that's drive, and that's a that's a good thing. To your point, I mean, I mean, it's probably from a neurotic perspective, from a stress and anxiety perspective, probably not the healthiest thing in the world. However. If you're going to pick one, you know, you'd much rather be there than be the big headed guy yes. like that. Eh, I got, I got 500 listeners. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. No, it's, and you know, and with wicked library, we started opening up narration to so guest narrators. So, you know, we have some folks coming in from, from other podcasts and, and other, other narrators that I know that, you know, Jessica McHugh read a story for the wicked library, just, you know, opening up the, it and I, it doesn't have to be all me, you know. I mean, it's it's like kind of for the first season, I wanted to do it all myself and kind of experiment with things and kind of establish the rules and and the, the way that things were working. And and now with you know the, this with season seven, I wanted to kind of experiment a little more and, and let other people step in and do some new things that I wouldn't think to do, you know. Yeah, and has that been? fulfilling for you i mean is that fun are you having fun oh you you know because there were there 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 have been times um you know over the past couple of years where it seems like uh things have become more stressful for you and that you're not having fun and that's you know as we've talked about before you know as an artist if if it's not enjoyable for you then you shouldn't do it and god knows i've certainly walked away from a lot of things that in hindsight i wish i wouldn't have um you know uh from from the writing medium and also more so on the musical side where uh you 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 know me unfortunately i have a pretty short fuse on stuff um mm-hmm. where it's like oh, i'm not feeling it today so i'm done with it i'm not doing it again and then you know a couple of months later you find that you regret that stuff so yeah. you know i like i said kudos to you because you've always been able to keep uh you've been pretty pragmatic about stuff even in the moments where you're going in 800 different directions you have always managed to maintain a focus 
Um, and it's, you know, to, to your point, you know, I know that obviously you've got a lot of projects going on and you've got a, a cadre of people that are helping you on a whole host of stuff. And, you know, that kind of goes back to the, the, the point that I was trying to make there with the, uh, you know, the, the Armas and Myers, uh, hater camp where it's like that, that, that's where it starts to get fun. You can kind of spread it out and get people helping you out that are just as interested in doing it, even though it might start off as something self-serving where, Hey, this is just for me, uh, meaning, you know, you, um, but now you've got people that are kind of breathing life into your, your projects and helping you out with stuff that, that's, that's given it a new life. So it's, that's great. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun because it, it changes things from me sitting in this room all by myself into a collaboration, which is, has always been where I, I, I get a lot of my enjoyment and, and a lot of my excitement about creating these things is whenever other people come along with you and are just, just as excited about it and, and want to be a part of it. Um, you know, to me, that's, that's fun. Yeah. And I've also gotten much better at saying no to things or, or not, not volunteering for things. Cause I have this bad habit of wanting to fix things. And someone tells me about something that they are struggling with. And my first instinct is to say, well, let me help you with that. And I've gotten a lot better at saying, well, let me give you some advice on how you might solve that. That certainly is one way to keep things off of your. So, like, uh, well, you probably. I was. I'm only pausing and fumbling because I wouldn't say, yeah, give me an example of that. But you probably, <laughs> as a professional, don't don't want to do that. So I'm not going to ask you to do that. <laughs> so, I was just, oh, really? Can you tell me uh, somebody that you screwed? Can you tell me uh, who did you tell to go fuck themselves uh, in a very because <laughs> maybe they're listening? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, no, I mean I've I've had I, I, yeah. Go ahead. I've I've had situations where people have like been struggling with you know writing something or with with creating audio for something or how do you edit something or whatever. And if it's something that I can can help with and it's something that I can do quickly you know, I'll do that. Um, but most of the time it's kind of like, I look back to, to my whole journey of doing knife story and a lot of why I'm the way I am now and able to do the things that I can is because people didn't actually do it for me. They kind of shared their knowledge with me and, you know, I mean, it's not like I'm the smartest guy in the world, but over the last five years of doing this, I've gathered some information together and I kind of think it's my responsibility now to, to share that information, whatever information I may have as little as it may be, or as much as it may be on a topic to, to make that available to people. And that's kind of, you know, what's, what this has been for me is gathering the information so I can pass it on. Yeah. You know, you know, what's funny. Um, and, 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 Funny is probably not the right word, um, uh -huh. and I don't I don't necessarily know how to articulate this, but you you just touched on something there that 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 the the whole that's one of those dynamics of the group creative process that I find to be um, still incredibly out of out of my grasp at this point. Um, it, it, as much as I've tried to do, you know, stuff that we you and I tried to do. Uh, or that we would do stuff that I've tried to do musically. You know, I think I've always told you that I, I, I think I fancy myself as somebody who wants to work well with others. You know, I've always said that, that, that I, I, I like the collaborative approach, but I come to find out then that I don't, I don't necessarily know how much that's true, you know? Uh, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a shitty, um, hypocritical standoffish kind of way. I like the concept of working with others, but it, it's kind of, it's almost like I like collaborating with people almost like in the moment. You know what I mean? Like in, in my example would be like, if me and you are sitting there like doing something completely off the cuff, doing it live, talking about, Hey, you know, we should write this story or, you know, here would be a really funny idea to do something. If we were writers on a show like Saturday night live, wouldn't this be great? Well, I'm, I'm good at that. You know, and I think we're, you know, I think you're good at that. I mean, we, that's, you know, going back to how we first met all of the conversations that we used to have at work and those types of things in those scenarios, we're good at that type of thing. Um, but I'm not good like it, but if we purposely were to sit down in a writer's room and say, here's what we have to do. I absolutely suck at that. And you know what else I suck at is if somebody comes to me with their product 
and says, hey, could you punch this up for me? Do you have any ideas? Because what I invariably end up doing is saying, no, and I don't want to because you're, you clearly have something to say. Mm-hmm. You wrote it. It's your idea. Um, I don't know what you want to say. And even if I did, why would I do that to you? Because it's your emotions. I don't know what the fuck you want me to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, 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 and I don't know if you have any insight on that because I find that like, you know, whether, whether, and it could be something as simple as doing somebody's resume for them for crying out loud or writing something that is creative fiction or whatever. But I'm, I really see that on the side of music where it's like, you know, as much as I like the, or as much as I think I like the band concept, I really don't. I want to write a song that is my song and then I need other people to play on it, but I really just kind of want to direct them. I really don't want input from them. I want a suggestion here or there. You know what I mean? And I've kind of, I've kind of come to that realization um, over the last couple of years. And I, and I don't, I, I'd be interested to see how you feel about that, the, the, the process, you know, because it sounds like you, you know, you, you've had people that have approached you and said, Hey, can you help me with this? And you kind of said, you know, but I can, you know, here, here's what I can, you know, you, you've got a much more refined way. It sounds like, uh, of telling people, um, no, you really don't want my opinion or <laughs> I'm a very bad editor. I, I'll tell you that much. I'm a very bad editor because first of all, I'm too soft on story. When I read something, I know how hard it is to actually create something. So to me, I can usually find things that I like about it. It's very rare that I'll read something and I'm just like, that's complete garbage. Um, so I don't make a good editor in that regard. So maybe that's why I, I'm told very often by by one of my collaborators that I'm too nice. Um, that I, you, I you've mentioned that to me before. Yeah, yeah, you you and I've had that conversation about being too nice. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, like whenever I, I'll tell you, whenever I write something and I send it off to Cindy to, for for her to read and edit for me, um, when I get it back, and this is with anything that's ever been edited, it doesn't matter. It's, I'm just picking Cindy as an example. It could be anyone. She's actually a very, very good editor. Because she will tell you honestly what she thinks and she can back up what she says. Well, this is why this is wrong. Uh, this is why you should do this differently. It's not just like where I read something. And I'm just like, well, this just doesn't feel right. Maybe you try this. Um, she has specific feedback, but I'll tell you, it's it's every time it's still hard to take criticism because it's something you pour your heart into. Um, I mean, there's the logical 70% of me that's just like, okay, I understand what's going on here and, and this is all good and this is going to make it better. But there's that 30% of me going, but I made this and it was good and I liked it and everybody should like it. Um, we've, we've gotten to this kind of point in our, in our, our relationship where we work back and forth on these things. And sometimes I don't agree. And, and sometimes I stick to my guns on certain things. And, and I know that I probably shouldn't, um, but I take probably that good 70% of, of the criticism and, and advice and make it better. And then there's this 30% of me holding on to things that I probably shouldn't, but I'm a different person. So I just see things. I'm a different writer. I'm a different creator. So I see things a little bit differently. And I've always felt that that's kind of the writer's prerogative. That's the creator's prerogative that you made the thing, you get your feedback from everybody and if there's something that you still believe in, that's your right to hold on to it. It's probably going to be the thing that people listen to or read and go, ah, I wasn't really sold on that part, but what are you going to do? Right? No, no. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's really well said. And that's so, so it, it, I'll, I'll put it in the terms of music and, and, and I, it kind of goes with, um, I, I think there's a similarity. So like, going back to what I was saying uh, a few moments ago, like sitting down with someone else to do something um, is different than obviously, you know, sitting in, in, you know, whether, again, whether you're writing a story or a piece of music, mm-hmm. um, if, if you're going to collaborate on a writing project, like if you and Cindy sit down and say, and you both have your notebooks open, you mm-hmm. know, let's go old school. You both got, you both got pens, you know, you've got, you got legal pads and you've got pens out. And you're like, yeah. we're going to write the greatest story ever. Yeah. You're going to sit there and 
at each other eyeball to eyeball for two hours going, look, you know, it's going to be like when George and Jerry were trying to write the pilot for their show for NBC to pick it up, (laughs) you know, where they just kept like Elaine enters the room. And now how does Elaine enter there? You know what I mean? There's just something somewhat restrictive about that is as many great, writing teams as there have been over the years, uh, again, whether you're talking about people writing screenplays, writing stories, writing music, whatever, um, I think I romanticized that so much and so desperately have wanted to always be a part of that. Like, I want a great partner, and I just find out that I don't have that in me. Because, you know what I mean? I don't, think, I don't think any of us do. I think it, it, you, you, See, you some people that's, are that's better compromisers than others. That's all. Yeah, it, and, and, and I and I think, and I don't know if it's that or if it's just that I've never gotten to that part of my artistic self where, because, because you know, like, like you were saying, we, and we talked about it before, when you write something, when you really get to something that's good, again, whatever it is, you are exposing a raw nerve, your emotion, hopefully, if it's any good, you know, if it's worth the shit. You you have to get into something that's deeply emotional, and I still feel that that's very difficult to do in a one with someone else. So you know what I mean? That's where. So you kind of have to write that. You got to get into that space on your own, and then share it with other people. Yeah. Stephen King says, "Write with the door closed and and edit with the door." What is it? Write with the door closed and edit with the door open, or something. I can't remember exactly. I'm probably paraphrasing it, but essentially, it's like you you can't take input when you're actually in the writing mode. When you're writing, you See, have that, to write yourself. That's right. Then, yeah, there it is. I mean, I, I've never heard that from King, but that but that's that's the essence of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I mean, and I've talked to writing teams. I interviewed the the guys that create Pittsburgh Dad before, and you know, I mean, I've talked with 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 writing teams, and usually they have a synergy. They they you know, it's like this episode might be more this, or you know, you kind of find who has what strengths. And you work to that, you know, it's like with Cindy and I, it's, she's the better editor. So she edits a lot of the stuff, um, before it gets and it goes back to the writers and they fix it and it comes back and then it goes into the narration queue. Um, whereas, you know, most of, or the first half, at least of season one, it was just, I kind of took whatever I got. I may have tweaked things a little bit here or there for, for Victoria's dialogue because people didn't know the character as well as I did at that point. Um, but you know, it's, it's the, the episodes are a lot stronger and a lot tighter now that there's a professional editor working on structure and, and dialogue and things like that. So, and she's a hell of a writer too. So I don't know. I mean, it's some people can do that's, you know, some people do certain things really, really well and have a breadth of, of what they can do really well. Um, whereas some people are specialists and, and I think I'm kind of more specialized in certain areas. I can't do everything, but I can do a little bit of this and that, and a little bit of this and that. And I just focus my efforts there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's really well said. I mean, that's, that's, that's clearly what it is. Um, you know, it's the, in, in the, in the, well, whether it, whether it's film or music or write or whatever, it really comes, that becomes the person who's the, in music, it's the producer, you know, mm-hmm. the the person who it's 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 the old joke because in 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 the music projects that I've got going on, I refer to the one guy as George Martin, you know, because it's like doesn't you know the of the Beatles fame, you know, the producer extraordinaire George Martin. It's like you know Lennon and McCartney did their thing, and but as great as they were, you still needed the producer to say no, that right there is shit. <laughs> Right. You need to take that as great as as great as that song may be. You need to put this in there, or instead of having a guitar solo there, you what, have you ever thought about doing a harpsichord solo? And people were like, "Wow, well, a harpsichord solo? What are you talking about? That why would we ever put that in this song?" And then you listen back to him like, "Oh my God, you can't imagine it any other way." It's that type of, and that to your point, that is a different type of artistic genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a different discipline, but incredibly important in all artistic endeavors. Yeah. Separate the wheat from the chaff. Yes. Yeah. So the exact quote is from, um, is from on writing a memoir of the craft by Stephen King, write with the door closed, rewrite with the door open. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're constantly getting feedback while you're writing, 
you kind of lose your direction. And I noticed that whenever I was part of a writing group and we would go and we would bring like a chapter of our work and we would all go around the circle and read the, the last chapter that we had written and get feedback from everybody. And I started to get to the point where I found, at least for me, it was more beneficial to just not <laughs> not bring that and just bring instead short stories and go, okay, here's a completed work. Now let's talk about this rather than going through each chapter by chapter and going, okay, now I have no idea what I'm doing because I've completely lost my own vision for this. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to imagine it's like, I, I've never done that, you know, I, from a, from a writing perspective, I have never worked in a group setting any, you know, I've never done a type of workshop like that, but I would have to imagine, Oh my God, man, that, that has to be almost oh, damn near impossible. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose if you or you're a writer, like anything else, if you're a writer and you've exposed yourself to the way those things work, it's like everything else. It has a certain dynamic. It has a certain you know rhythm and flow to it that you would get good at that type of process. Right. Um, but my lord, I could never imagine sitting down and doing something like that because, like. If if I go over into my world of like the songwriting process, like I said earlier, I have romanticized that for my entire life, and I you know love the idea of being in a room with three or four guys and being like, hey, great, let's write a song. Yeah, it is fucking. Un- <laughs> I mean, it is so unbelievably painful. Yeah, because you have guys that just have completely different. Again, like everything else. You, you get together for a common purpose and it's like, we're all musicians and we all want to do this and we all want to do this. So great. This should be that easy. But no, this guy wants to write a song like Elton John and this guy wants to write a song like Metallica and yeah. this guy wants to write a song like Chicago, you know? And then you get together and it's like, I have an idea and you start and it's like, by the time you even get to the end of what you think is going to be the first verse, everybody's throwing their hands up saying, we're clearly not on the same page. So what you end up doing is, you know, this is what I end up doing. I go back, you know, to the basement. I write a complete song that I take, and they're like, "Okay, this is what I want it to be." And then you started ed- you start editing. So I, I, like I said, I, 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 I still love the concept of writing something on the spot, whether it's a song or a novel or whatever. But uh, back to your um, what you're saying, uh, I just I don't know if that's I don't even know if that's feasible. No, nor do I know that I should get frustrated by that because it certainly sounds like everybody's kind of got that mentality. Like, you, you know, you got to, you know, to paraphrase Stephen King there, write with the door shut and then, then rewrite with it open. It's like, get your ideas down, get everything called together on your own and then approach others. Once you have a, a pretty good foundation right. doing, you know, otherwise it's all improv and yeah. you're just like creating shit on the fly. Yeah. And as we've talked about before, sometimes that, sometimes that's great. Uh, but 99 times out of 100, it's absolute garbage. Uh, but I'm I'm still attracted to that one in a hundred yeah. chance, you know, of lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I still love that the, the prospect of that. I agree. So, what do you think? Final words, final thoughts. I mean, this is uh, this will be our this will be our official last ninth story podcast together. Any wow. words of wisdom um, for the uh, for the listeners? Any words of wisdom for me? <laughs> Um, words of wisdom for you? No, I don't, I don't think I need to give you any words of wisdom. Oh, I can always um, use help. Now, I mean, you know, I, I will, I will always give you my, my ever loving thanks because it was so much fun, uh, to, to be there, uh, with you from the beginning. Um, and that, 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 that first season was a blast, um, going through all the stuff and, uh, you know, I, I will, I will always feel like I'm part of the show. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you watch these bands going into the rock and roll hall of fame. Um, and you got guys that were there from the beginning and then, you know, 20, 30 years later, they've been replaced by the sixth bassist. Uh, but they were, you know, they were, they were there from the beginning and there's always a certain pride that they have in that. Like, like we said at the beginning of the show here, um, you, you let stuff go, uh, but I always appreciate it. I've told you a billion times over, Dan, and I hope you appreciate um, where I'm coming from on it, that, you know, you, you certainly uh, lit a fire under my ass to do a lot of different things as, as much as I jump around um, and 
com- fail to complete things. You you were the uh, you were the impetus for for kind of getting me back into the the, the creative realm uh, that, that I'm in. So I I'm always going to owe you a debt of gratitude for that. Oh, um, my pleasure. I'm glad I could be a source of inspiration because you know I mean. Um, for for so many years, you were a source of inspiration and uh, a, a mentor to me. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought about doing the show or or putting it together without you. So, I mean, for helping me get on that path and everything, you know, I I feel that I owe you a huge debt as well. So it's a, it's mutual well, admiration. And 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 I will say, I mean, the 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 time that we were doing stuff together, and then by doing nicer, I mean, I was I was introduced to a whole community yeah. of of artists that I respect and that I'm still, you know, I follow on social media and I love seeing what they're doing. Again, I would have, I would have never been exposed to that had it not been for, for you and the stuff on the show. So again, it's kind of that, you know, the artist community. I love, I love seeing what everybody's up to and I'll always stay in touch with those folks and, you know, trying to stay, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult to keep up on what you're doing because you're doing so much stuff. <laughs> well, we're going to slow down a little bit in 2017. <laughs> I have to. Yeah. Well, I hope you don't slow down too much. I mean, like it, it, it's, it's, it's good to see, uh, it's good to see that, uh, you're involved in some quality stuff and yeah. it's, it's fun to, it's fun to, to see, uh, what, what's going on and listen to what, the all the stuff that you're doing. But, um, no, I mean, my advice to you is to, is to, is to keep going period. That's it. And I know you will, whether I tell you to do that or not. No, I appreciate that. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get together and we'll do something again in the future. Even if it's like, you know, we get together and we do like a short six episode podcast with this in mind or, or whatever we do, but, uh, you know, it was always a lot of fun and, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, once I have time for in my schedule again, I definitely want to do again because it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, definitely. It's like, um, you know, the, uh, the Seinfeld folks still, uh, get together every now and then, um, you know, they kind of, you know, they, they went out after a pretty good run there, even though they could have kept going on and on and on and on and on. Um, so kind of look at it like, you know, you're, you're handing it over now to other folks and, um, in a, in a similar vein, like those folks did, we can always get together for a, for a short run, uh, a four to six episode run of something. And, um, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate you, you taking the time and, and hanging out with me tonight and for being a part of the journey with me. Well, I, I have one last question for you though. And sure. I don't know when this episode is going to air, but, um, Let's uh let's 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 end the debate. Okay. Is is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? God damn right it is. All right. You know my so so you know it's that time of year where every, that that debate. I I think it is uh, obviously as well. But I will tell you this: my new favorite Christmas movie of all time. Can you guess? Lethal Weapon. No, but Lethal Weapon is, is, in my opinion, a Christmas movie. Exactly. My, my, new, fav- my new favorite Christmas movie is The Hateful Eight. I have not seen The Hateful Eight. I will have to see that. So, and here's why. Because, and you'll, you'll see, um, there's a moment in there where one of the characters does mention that he's going back to, uh, he's going home to see his mother for Christmas. And that's it. That's the only illusion that is ever made to Christmas. It's but enough. In in my mind, that makes it a Christmas. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, man. Well, I'm going to run and do some lift stuff. Not lifting weights, just, you know, the lift. All right. And um, I'll let you know when this goes out. It'll be soon because... It's it, Jeanette and, and Alexander are getting anxious to uh, to take their take their stint on the ninth story. So far be it for me to. They've, already, uh, they've it, got episodes ready to fly. And, yeah, as yeah. I hear, and uh, yes. we 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 can't be holding them back any further. That's correct? right. That's right. All right. Far be it Sounds for me good. to set up a homestead here. Whenever I said I would gracefully pass the torch. So. Amen, brother. All right, buddy. Well, have a happy new year. If I don't talk to you sooner and uh, I'll let you know. Let's hope for, 
Let us hope that far less celebrities and (laughs) and far less personal acquaintances pass away in 2017 than they did in 2016. Yes. Let's, let's, let's hope for that. Absolutely. Yeah. in, In the spirit of passing things along, let's, let's, you know, take a moment to reflect on, what we've done in the past, um, in respect the fact that everything comes to an end, but Christ, uh, enough ending already. Yes. Okay. All right. Let's 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 have less let's have less endings <laughs> in 2017. All right. Absolutely. I get it. There, yeah. To, to everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season. I get it. You know what? I've had enough. Enough shit died in 2016. That's right. Let's have a let's have a year without death in 2017. Oh, that would be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Danny. All right, brother. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Same to you, man. All right, buddy. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Ninth Story Podcast. A Hicks and Fabulous Production. Break it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.